0: So when I was asked to share my personal testimony of how I came to know Christ, I realized that I didn't really know where my faith began. A lot of times it just feels like I was born in a church pew because I was raised with parents in full-time ministry. My dad was a youth pastor for a while until I was about eight, and mom now does all the Kidman stuff. Sign up for take two, by the way. Anyway, for me, there was never really a time when I didn't know of God. So I could give you all the easy sentences, which would be that I accepted Jesus into my heart at three, and I was baptized at seven, and I've been a devout follower for my whole life. But those words, they would just be the quickest, and saying them wouldn't really show the full goodness of God that I've seen throughout my young adult years. Sometimes life is really difficult. I get it. I think I get it more than a lot of people do. My life hasn't really been everything I hoped it would be when I was little. When I was 12, I started having non-epileptic seizures that no one was able to diagnose for a long time for about a little over six years, actually. And oh my golly, it totally wrecked my life. Eventually, like, it got to a point where I barely made it to school most days, and I couldn't get out of bed. I would have raging migraines because of the seizures. I couldn't play sports. I love soccer, but I couldn't play anymore. I, couldn't, I can't go on roller coasters or on slip and slides in the summer with my friends. I got so bad my junior year of high school that I actually lost my license for about eight months. I couldn't get parts in school plays because I couldn't make it to practices. For me, high school wasn't really everything I'd hoped it would be. I think I've experienced more heartache and ailment in the past six years than I would ever wish on anyone in an entire lifetime. But during these incredibly difficult past few years, I've come to understand that God is good no matter what my circumstances are. He's not weighed down by my failures or by my brokenness or by my weakness. He's continually proven to me that his sacrifice on the cross covered every one of my failures. So when I'm distraught and my faith is failing, time and time and time again, I've watched the God who created everything and rules over everything swoop in, and he reminds me that I don't need to be nice and put together because I'm already complete in him. He reminds me that I've been made whole and blameless in his sight, not because I'm perfect, because I'm, oh gosh, I am absolutely not But because when Jesus died, he took every insufficiency I have had and will ever have to the grave with him, and when he resurrected, none of my failure came back with him. God held to his promise that he's more whole and glorious and gracious than I can ever fathom. In my weakest moments, he's reminded me that he's always strong, no matter what I'm feeling. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12.10 has really been my life verse over the past few years, it says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So yeah, like life has been difficult. I might have to live my whole life with this thorn in the flesh. And there are still some days where I feel like the pain's going to take over. But then I remember that it doesn't matter because I have Jesus. And that's actually like, that's the most amazing thing ever. Because not only does he love me, but like he crossed all of eternity to take the punishment that I deserve because of my sin and he took the pain of that punishment to the grave he took it all and like he bears the scars that should have been mine and he didn't just show up then two thousand years ago on a cross but over and over and over again he keeps showing up walking with me directing my steps loving me even on the bumpy days with lots of valleys faith hasn't always been easy there's been a lot of heartache but consistency's always been God's theme he's never left me and he's never not loved me and he's never not come through for me so this journey this faith journey it's worth it to me it hasn't because it isn't because life is wonderful that i've chosen to follow jesus but it's because i've seen his goodness and felt the all-consuming power of his love that i made a personal decision to follow him today tomorrow and forever
1: Whew. I love a good testimony, and that's kind of what today's focused on. Testimonies, baptisms, we got like so much going on. Uh, we're going to do communion, we're going to dunk people in water, we're gonna just, just going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it is also a family worship Sunday, so there's little people in the room. Uh, we rarely do this for a lot of reasons, but I'll, I'll give you a couple. Uh, the first one's going to sound a little sharp, but it's really not. We believe that it's a parent's job to raise their kids. <gasps> I know, crazy, right? Uh, not only just to raise them like maturity-wise and physically and make sure they're dressed, but physically, like spiritually speaking, we believe it's mom's and dad's job to teach their kids how to love the Lord. And so I love when the kids are in, my kids are in here, they're probably going to make, this is going to be awesome. Uh, we love that we're, they're in here because they're a part of this body as well. And so if you're a kid and you're in the room, would you just kind of like get any one of these? Kids, anybody? You're, they're not so sure if they want to be in here. Perfect. And so kids, a couple of things. Number one, I know you can pay attention. You, you're mine. I know you can, uh, because you'll sit for three hours and play a video game. So you all have the ability to pay attention, uh, but you also have the ability to love Jesus and tell people about him and be used by God in this family. So if at any point in time you're like, they just shoved me in the back because they don't want me. No, we want you. I want you to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and so thrilled that you're in this room. I always put, yeah, we can just do one of those, kids. <laughs> He's like, no, leave me alone, dad. Uh, secondly, I always put this on there, but like parents and any, even non-parents, like non-parent adults in the room, just take a deep breath, all right? There's kids in the room. One of them's probably going to crawl four rows back, uh, probably get dragged out by an ear. Uh, just, just ignore that's happening, all right? That's parenting, all right? Uh, when I grew up, mom and dad wouldn't let me, they just let me sit in a pew, and if I said anything, it was like death grip on the shoulder. You just let that go, all right? I'm fully aware somebody's getting disciplined, but it's going to be all right. So what I'd like to do, because there's kids in the room, and because I see in scripture that there's actually this joy, and like dancing, and yelling, and singing that happens when God's people get together, we're going to practice, and then we're going to say hi to each other. So if you would, would you stand up? That's everybody. So we're going to practice with yelling Jesus' name, and then we're going to yell something else. So on the count of three, we're just going to yell Jesus as loud as we can, all right? Are you ready? If you just give me like a "Eh, half-hearted, I'm going to be so mad, all right? Three, two, one. Jesus! I love it. All right, perfect. So. There's the other thing that happens. When God's people get together, young, old, can't even walk down to like babies, they get together and they just praise the Lord and they dance and they celebrate and they're like, we're God's people, woo! And they just get really excited. Uh, and so I'm going to count to three and then I just want you to yell like, praise the Lord. But I don't want you to just yell it, I want you to act like pray, like you're throwing praises to God, all right? Maybe jump, maybe give them one of those, I don't know. All right? And then as soon as that's over, I want you to like embrace the person next to you. High five. Don't, if you're like, oh, I'm not hugging them, fine. High five them or run away. All right? Uh, you guys good? We're yelling praise the Lord. We're giving praises to God. And then we're hugging, saying hi, greeting, fellowshipping, or getting more coffee if we're extreme introverts. All right? So there we go. All right. Three, two, one. Praise the Lord. Say hi to somebody. Hug them. Love them. All right, you can kind of head back to where you were. See, just sometimes that (laughs) little... Gary loves it. (laughs) Then you got the girl over here that's like, I hated every moment of that. And that's, you know, I understand sometimes we come in and we're like, man, I just want to be by myself today. I don't want anybody to touch me. Uh, But the beautiful thing is we believe God brings us here on purpose. Like, I don't think you're here on accident. And so you might have come in alone. But welcome to this highly, like, eclectic, weird group of dysfunctional people. Uh, We cling to one message, that Jesus Christ is everything the Bible says, that he's worthy to be followed. And and so what we're going to do today is not continue Exodus is where we've been. We're going to take a little one-week time out on Exodus, and we're going to talk about our vision. Um, So I'm going to say a statement. You just fill in the blank. Aim at nothing, hit nothing, nothing, right? So if you don't aim for anything, you're not going to hit anything. Uh, And so, typically every year we will come up with a vision word, and I am so sick of them, and I'll tell you why. Uh, It usually is like, well, we got to come up with a word. It's got to be catchy. It's got to like make sense. It's got to have some tangible points to it. And more than anything this year, it was less about, hey, let's do a vision that's going to stick and have points to it, and it was more based in this question, what does God want to do in the midst of this people? What is God saying to us? And, and that's the, the us, not you, not an individualistic view. What is God saying to this church? And if that rubs on you wrong, wrong, go read Revelation. You'll hear this language over and over and over again. The Spirit of the Lord is saying to this church, to this church, to this church to this church. So praise God for OBF and the other churches in town. God's probably speaking to them. We want him to speak to us and tell them what he wants us to do here. And so we're going to lean into three things today. Uh, but if you've been here for a while, we late last year, November 30th, in this room we gathered and we heralded what we're going to herald today. If you've never heard it before, it doesn't mean you're like on the outside, you're actually invited in. If you heard it before, I think remembering's a good thing. Uh, In fact, you're probably like, I don't even remember the points. This is why we're doing this. Um, The difference really, though, is what is the Spirit of the Lord saying? I'm not looking to program it out. I'm not looking to make it a perfect detailed plan. Uh, We feel like God has spoken. And and so this is kind of where I'll start. I'd always wondered what it would be like to have a kid uh, that was scared of monsters or monsters in the closet. I've never had one. Like, my three sons, as they were growing up, never said to me, Dad, there's a monster in the closet, right? Uh, But now I have a two-year-old, almost three-year-old little girl. And so a couple weeks ago, she was like, she's finding a lot of reasons to come out of her bed recently. But, like, everything from, like, the covers aren't on my leg right to just, will you snuggle with me? And uh, you just always say yes to that, all right? But recently, she was like, I, even, I can't even say it in her little voice, but she said, more or less, dad, there's a monster in the closet, and I'm terrified, and I said, well, let's deal with this monster, right? So uh, we get into our room, and in my head, I'm like, I should have the monster grab me, suck me in, and go, run, Grace, run, but I didn't, so we get, in, we get into the room, open the closet, and we look through the closet. There's, there's not a monster in sight, just so you know, we're free, monster-free house, Uh, I I show her that there's no monster, and then we sit down, and I go, hey, Grace, I just need you to know I love you so much, and I'm right here. If If they're, number one, Grace, monsters aren't real, but if they were, I would fight them for you, and even bigger than this, Grace, you know who's even bigger and stronger than Daddy? Jesus is, and Jesus loves you, Grace. So we get to have this whole conversation about how big and strong and awesome God is and why she didn't need to be afraid because there's, no number one, no such thing as monsters. And even if there were, she's got two big things that watch over her, her dad and her dad. That'd be a heavenly father. And so as we look at the idea today of the, uh, the word fearless, if you haven't caught that our word for the year is the word fearless, um, it, it's, it's less... Let's be let's let's pull ourselves up and be strong and be bold and run around and not be afraid. And it's more like if you could hear God's voice to you right now, it's like you could have the spiritual ears to hear. You would hear your Father in Heaven, who has just come into your room, go, "Why are you afraid?" And so there's a difference when we look through the Bible when we say some little pithy like like coffee cup mug thing like there's 365 do not fears in the bible one for every day like we know that in our like we know that that's true but there's a difference between that and when you hear god say why are you afraid i'm watching over you i'll fight monsters for you and 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 so really the rub for me in this whole vision casting thing and this whole message of fearless is like we say we're the lords right like we identify as the people of God. Like when I look at you, I yell at you all the time. You are God's, he claims you. So you're not some random stranger to God. You're one of his kids. He says you are mine. You have the very spirit, the third person of the Trinity in you. We, we claim that this thing we're doing right now is life and death. That eternity is happening in front of us. So then why are we so afraid? Why are we so unbold? Why do we why do we so quickly downshift into a form and a manner of Christianity that is powerless and safe? And these are the questions that kind of plague me. And so fearless living doesn't come from you giving yourself a pep talk before you run out the door or before you get to your office or like you can do this, Andrew. You got this, don't be afraid. So you say it's not scary. That's not what this is. Fearless living is born from a deep trust in God. Fearless living comes straight out of being in the presence of God and realizing that nothing stands in comparison, that there's this holy, huge, impossibly, I can't even explain them to you with earthly language God that says, I love you, you are mine, I hear your prayers, I'm with you, I'm worth every drop of your life. That's where fearless living comes from. And so my thought is, well, then maybe we need to get a way bigger view at Cobblestone of God himself. Like we need to fill our vision and fill our hearts and fill our minds with what scripture paints as a God that like his power isn't this. It's and a God that not only slayed death and Satan himself, like this is our God. And so how big, if I was to sit down with you, how big is your trust in the Lord? And it would be really easy to find out. And you could ask me the same convicting questions. I could just say, well, when's the the last time you told somebody about your great hope in Jesus? Now, notice I didn't say, when's the last time you invited someone to church? No, when's the last time you, you personally, went to some other human being and you told them about the infinite worth of Jesus? I'll go a little less intense. When's the last time you prayed for somebody? And not from the safety of your own home, but like you were at work and you heard like somebody sneeze and you're like, you need something for that? I got prayer. Like, you know, like when's the last time you prayed for somebody on the spot? When's the last time that we walked out our Christianity in a manner worthy of the name that we say that we belong to? Because my opinion is there's no sideline Christians. We talked about that for a whole series a few weeks ago. But if you're, a, if you're in the family of God, God wants to use you to reach people for his name. That's not my job. That's our job. And so as we look at Fearless, I, I'm going to give you the verse that we're just sitting on. So go to Isaiah 41, 13. But I, what we could do is we could walk through the Bible and we would find that God says to the Israelites, do not be afraid, for I am with you. He's going to say it repeatedly to them. They're going to forget, get very afraid, and then he's going to be like, did I not tell you this already? You see him say the same thing to King David, like, don't be afraid. King David, that whole King, Goliath, not King Goliath, uh, Goliath and David's story is David's not afraid of Goliath because he knows who his God is. You have the apostles themselves are terrified, petrified wimps. Puny. They're they're trembling afraid and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they turn into fierce proclaimers of the works and the kingdom of God. So you have... This picture in front of us that scripture says is God's with us, and that's the source of fearlessness. So Isaiah 41, 13, I challenged the church at the vision casting night on January 6th, which I gave this almost identical message to memorize this verse. Anybody? Yes. One. There you go. But I'll take it. It makes me happy. Uh, Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God. Who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. All kinds of promises in there, right? All kinds of beautiful language, like I am the Lord your God. So God, number one, says this is who I am, this is who you are, and I take hold of your right hand. Now, I don't know about you, I have all these examples from my kids uh, grabbing their hand in a parking lot. Why? because they might get hurt, so I, I just guide them. We're in the woods sometimes, and it's like, let's walk as a family. Like, this idea of God taking hold of my right hand is God taking hold of the, my strength of my life and leading me. And he says to you, do not fear. Now, why not fear? Well, don't fear, because you shouldn't be afraid. Of, I, no, do not fear, because I will help you. Sounds like a promise I make to my kids. Because like, I'm, I'm here for you. I, I got your back. I'll, if it's 2 in the morning, I'm here for you. I will help you. Do not fear. So here's the command, church. Do not fear. God's with you, holding your hand. Why are you afraid? And so the picture that we've kind of run with is in all this is the idea of a parachute, right? But you don't even have to go that extreme of the things that you trust in quicker Then we trust in the Lord sometimes. So think about the things like you trusted that when you went to sleep last night, you would wake up this morning, right? Nobody was like, this might be it, babe. Nobody, we just take for granted. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna do my own thing, I'm gonna live my life how I want. But no, like God gave you the breath in your lungs right now. When you drop your kids off to school, You just take it for granted. You put, you just willingly trust Mrs. Whoever, whatever her name is. Mine was Mrs. Siegel as a kindergartner. Mom gave me to Mrs. Siegel. She could have, I mean, nap time could have got crazy. I mean, like, we don't even know. We so willingly trust so many things, and we have the God of heaven and earth going, Do not fear. I will help you. And we go, I'm not sure. I'm gonna need some proof. And then I'm gonna need that confirmed. You're going to need to get a profit up in here. Like, like, I need to have that, like an assurance almost, contract that out. You're going to help me? You're going to hold my hand? You're going to actually do this? And then when it doesn't happen the exact same way we want, we want it to happen, things don't pan out in our life how we think, we go, see, you didn't have my hand. You didn't have my back. I am afraid now. And, and so as we look at this, the only picture that stuck in my mind, and I've shared this story, is, is grace at the top of my stairs. Like, I get all my examples from Grace now just because she doesn't sit in service and I won't embarrass her. Um, She'll stand at the top of our steps, and she'll just walk off before I'm even up them. She'll stand at the top of the steps, say, Dad, and just step. And the the expectation is, I'm going to catch her, right? So Grace fully trusts one thing. Dad will, will catch me. And the truth is, I will, even if it requires me sliding backwards with her on my chest down the stairs. (laughs) We made it, Grace. (laughs) That's the picture. Like, do you trust God in a way where if he was to call you out of what you're living right now, that he would be leading you into the goodness of life and not robbing you? Do you trust God enough right now that if by the Holy Spirit he's going to say, hey, I want you to pray for her in your office, that he's not trying to ruin your reputation. He's trying to bring that person into life and mold you into more like his son Jesus. Do you trust him that he's going to catch you? And I know some of you, like, you have examples and you're like, well, I stepped out this one time and I got burned. And I'm not doing it again. And I know some of you, you, had hardship hit, and you're like, well, what's this whole do not fear, I'll help you thing when cancer hit? That's not the point of this sermon, but God has shown himself trustworthy to the people of God, even in the middle of bleak, I mean, horrible things. The question for us today, church, is do we trust him? Not are you fearless? That's not the question. Do we trust him? If we trust him, He will make us fearless. If we'll follow him, we'll see see God transform us into a people that are used to reach people in his name, pray for people in his name, do the work of the kingdom of God, and we'll see him. And and so in 2019, we are asking the Lord through his word, by his spirit, to free us from the bondage of fear and teach us how to walk by faith of our Savior. I mean, that's, that's the summary statement. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to pray. And now this is not a segue, though. I I felt it's perfectly appropriate. Here I am. I'm gathered with my fellow brothers and sisters, the people of God of this place. Here's the thing that God put us before us. Will you follow me and trust me even when it's a little scary? My answer is, yeah, let's let's go. And so I just want to pray together uh, that God would do this very thing, that this is not me going, let me pray so I can have 30 seconds to think about what I'm going to say next. This is, hey, if you're a kid in the room, pray that God would make you bold. If you're in this room and you're a grandparent, pray that God would make us, like we're just going to pray that God would do that and ruin the fear of man and instill like a fear of the Lord in this house, okay? So I'm going to pray, I'm going to drop, we're just going to pray. Jesus, as a people, as a congregation, as a house of worship, I pray that you would crush in us fear of man, anything that's not, not rooted in you. And so, Lord, I cry out for a holy boldness that's found in, that is rooted in, this born out of the, the vast, holy beauty and power of your name. And so, Lord, we pray out that you would do a work in our midst that no men can do that you would come and inhabit this place, and we're not worthy of it, but you're good. So, Lord, thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your goodness. We do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use the word of God to convict us and shape us and mold us. Where we are in bondage, free us. Where there is sin, convict us. Where Where we have retreated into a safe form of claiming your name but not walking in its power, forgive us. I ask, God, that you would use every person in this room, that this would be a defining moment where you send them, where you speak to them, where you show them. Lord, open our eyes to your beauty, to your worth, to your glory. Lord, I ask for kind of what happens in Acts, like a shaking of the room when you poured out boldness on your believers, that you would shake what needs shaking in this place and you would pour out your boldness and give us the words to speak because we are yours. We have your Holy Spirit inside of us and this is life and death. And so we sit before you now and I pray, Lord, just for a moment that you would open the ears of your my brothers and sisters, your people, and you'd speak to them. Lord, that you're not a father that's like, why are you afraid? But that you're you're a God that's like, come follow me. This isn't condemnation over our heads. This is an invitation to freedom. So Lord, let us follow you. In your name, Jesus, amen. So there's three ways, like tangible ways though. So it's not just fearless, have a good week. There's kind of three tangible ways we really feel like this should be walked out. That I feel like God Himself gave to us. Uh, And the first one is this, and following Jesus, like a fearless following of Jesus. That, That you and I, our first call, not just to come to church, but is to follow Jesus Monday to Saturday. That that's the joy of Christianity. It's the difference between every other religion and the one that we proclaim. That Jesus is our Lord and our Savior and He leads his people. And so on Monday, when you wake up, I want you to go, God, what do you want me to do today? What if you structured your schedule on what God wanted to do this next week? And I know some of you are like, well, I got to go to work. Sure, fine, you got to go to work. But if God puts you in the work, what does he want you to do that's part of his work? And so as we look at following Jesus, I, I believe even right now today, he's calling some of you to do a very specific thing. And you're ignoring him. And so people that need to know about him aren't. This is, once again, life and death. Now, there's commands in Scripture, Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So the starting point for following Jesus fearlessly is crucifying yourself. This whole idea that this is about you, this whole idea that, man, if this church doesn't have coffee and a good kids' ministry, we're out. The better question is, is this church fearlessly following Jesus into the things and the places that he's leading them into? And if we're not doing that, you have my permission to get out. And so what has God called us into this next year? And you have to realize all the way that fear plays into that, right? Like, do do you what will will I have to give up? Seems to be the number one question. If I follow Jesus wholeheartedly, won't I have to give up my Netflix binges and my comfort and my safety? Well, maybe, but you have to understand where God's leading you into, not death, life. And so what what will I miss out on? But these are the things that plague some of us. What will people think if I'm the person that starts walking into into my job, everywhere I go, and I just, I start praying for, well, they'll think that you actually take this thing seriously, that you actually know the living God, and that you feel like when you talk to him, he listens, so let's make it personal, what is Jesus asking you to do, if that's a new question for you, you can stop listening after this, and you just talk to Jesus, what is Jesus asking you to do? Don't remove it, don't deflect it, don't go like, well, that's a question for you, pastor. No, that's a question for every person that claims the name Jesus Christ. What is he asking you to do? And it won't be the same. Don't glamorize it. I, I guess he's calling me into ministry. No, like, is he, raise kids in a manner that would honor, glorify, reach other parents in the name of Jesus. What if that's it? What if you're to raise The next kid that's going to start the next revival and that's a good calling is it not but if you've never asked him what do you want me to do then you're not probably walking in it so personally what do you want to use me for today God like how do I advance your kingdom not mine now I don't know about your life but it's really easy to get really caught up in our kingdoms right because we got things, we got we to gotta pay the bills, we got to go to work, we got to make sure the kids get to soccer, dance, and basket weaving. We got to get them to all those places, right? Like it's really easy to get caught up in our kingdom. But we have been transplanted from our kingdom to the kingdom of heaven and, like heaven. So what kingdom are you building with your life? And then as a church, when we talk about following Jesus, this year, it's so less like, let's program all the good programs, and I'm, I am eagerly waiting for you all to bust my door in, going, I can't get this out of my heart and my life. We must do this thing. Then we'll get behind you and give you money and just go, like, go. It's more like, all right, what's the Spirit doing? Where is God leading you? And so if we're going to be a church that honors the Lord, it's going to be when Jesus says, give all your money to this, we go, <gasps> will we trust him? When Jesus says, open your mouth and say these words, will we? When Jesus says, follow me, even though it looks like it might be painful or hard, we go, yes, Lord, all right, let's go. Will you be those people with me? Uh, the second thing is not just fearlessly following Jesus, uh, but fearlessly Fearless with each other. Um, Fearlessly loving, pursuing, honoring. I mean, love in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you a scripture. It's really all I have to read about this, but it's John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So... (laughs) Anybody, everybody, ready? I really want to love Jesus with my whole heart. Go ahead, raise your hand, right? That's all of us, right? I love people so much. Some of us, the encouragers and mercy people in the room. Uh, But some of us, we wish this verse wasn't in here, right? But if we're going to fearlessly follow God where he wants us to go, then I know the Spirit of the Lord said that we need to be a place that loves each other way better than we do actually a realization that happened to me last early last year was that when we were praying for the works of the spirit like we always pray for like the crazy stuff right we pray for visions and dreams and talk, we want all that stuff but do you know what's equally a manifestation of the spirit of god the love of god made manifest right here in this room like that we would love each like that's the work of the spirit that i would love you in a manner that's not about me but it's all about you and his glory so do you love people in a manner that's worthy of the name of Jesus? Because normally we disconnect those things, right? We play this game of, I love Jesus, but I hate Bill. I love Jesus, but I want anything to do. I don't want to shake their hands. I don't want to talk to them. Small group, plaw group, like I don't want to do any of that, right? But that's not the God- full gospel. Like fearlessly being used by God means being fearlessly used in people's lives. And so if God brought you in here, a challenge was kind of thrown out of the vision thing. It was this idea that when you have a problem, it's really crazy, really radical. You would actually go talk to the person you have a problem with. (gasps) What? (laughs) That you wouldn't go talk to a leader and have them be your mediator. That you would, I almost said something, you'd put some pants on. And you would go talk to your brother and sister And you would reconcile, and you would repent, and you would confess, and you would be a peacemaker, which God has called you to be. That there would be less this like, hey, you need to fix this problem between me and Suzanne. And it would be like, you go in the name of Jesus, and you humble yourself. And so if this is our expectation, that you would fearlessly confront sin where you see it, not in a like, uh, I noticed that you were sinning. Let me call that out in you. Not that, It is is a loving act to actually go to a brother whom I know and I love to say, brother, that doesn't line up with life. That will lead to death, turn around. It is a loving act to sometimes rebuke things out of people's lives. The brother, the way you talk to your wife, dishonors the Lord you say you love. Is that a hard conversation? 100%. Might that ruin the relationship? Maybe. You should maybe pray about that and ask the Lord what he wants to do there. It is a loving act to go to a brother caught in sin and restore him. It is a loving act to go to one another. And so if we're going to walk out this fearless thing this year, it means when you see someone do something in worship you don't like, you don't talk to me, you talk to them. It means when the music is too loud, you don't talk to me, you talk to Dave Baer. To his face. Don't sick an elder on him. It it means when your brother or sister is angry at you, biblically before you take communion today, you better get face to face with them. This is walking out fearlessly. Not only will I follow Jesus, but I will follow straight into the living rooms of my brothers and sisters and be used there too. Is that hard? Yes. Yes. But this is a culture of unity giving the benefit of the doubt that we are peacemakers. And do you know what the Bible says? Jesus, this is actually a red letter, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, and then the third and final way. So if it's fearlessly pursuing, following, whole half, like pick up my cross, let's go Jesus, I want to go die for you. And then fearlessly I'll, be, I'll rebuke, I'll love, I'll correct, I'll, I'll be in people's lives, I'll love people like you do Jesus. Then the third thing, and I've always said this is the most important one, is fearless worship, is a fearless pursuit, a fearless pursuit um, of God's manifest presence is how we've been saying it, that we would be a place known for one thing, God's presence being here, and that we wouldn't be satisfied with singing some peppy songs or platitudes or a nice little message with three P starting like topic. No, like we would just be only satisfied by the presence of the living God. And so here's the thing that I know though. And it's something I felt like I should address. Uh, some of you, you don't feel like I'm talking to you when I talk about this. And so I'll, I'll give you somebody else's words. A.W. Tozer. Why do some persons find God in a way that others do not? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggle along in the half-light of imperfect Christian experience? Of course, the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. The difference lies not with God, but with us. And so what he's getting at is, there's, there's people in here that you're like, Oh, that's just him. He just hangs out with Jesus. Why don't you? Like, oh, that's, he's just out in the spirit. Like, what? why don't you? And so when the Bible says you will seek me, it says you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That's a promise. So if you're hungry for the presence of God, it has nothing to do with, well, God must like him a lot better than me. Or that sister, she just walks with Jesus like nobody else. Well, that's a lie. You have been given access to the grace and throne room of God. Therefore, you're not a lesser adopted son or daughter. And so let's run in. I'll put this. What if I told you, without a doubt, 100% guarantee that God himself will be in this room next Sunday? Right? What if I told you? I promise you, when you walk in that door, you will meet God. What changes this week? What what preparation goes on? Does your heart not expectation just, woo? Do you not just shove Gavin off this front seat and be like, I'm sitting up front. I want to see what God does. I'm hungry for his presence. I want to be with him. I want to be with his people. I want to watch what he does because he always does something. What if that was how we came into this place, that we had this hunger and a pursuit, like I get to know and walk and be with the Lord instead of, I guess we'll go to church today. Kids, get your undies on. Like, like, what is that? So if we're going to do this, it's going to have to be an expectation shift. Like, turn your expectation to 11. If it only goes to 7, turn it to 11. Turn it all the way up and then some. Break the knob of expectation. Be like, I'm so expectant that God is going to show up in this place, and he's going to remove sin from people's lives. He's going to heal people. He's going to restore marriages. He's going to work in a way that only he can. I pray for it, and that you would spend your Monday to Saturday prepping for it. That you would have sat at Jesus' feet Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the days of the week, Friday, Saturday. And so Sunday is just a little cherry on top. Every Monday through Saturday, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life today? Oh, I'm going to love this person in your name. You've been doing that all week. And then Sunday's like, I get to go be with the Lord and God's people. What if we became that church? And so I'll lay this one last thing on you, and then I already talked too long, and then we're going to worship. Because this is what, what we're asking. This is what I've asked all along. When it comes to worship, this is what I want you to do with your preferences. I want you to kill them. The death of all your preferences. About, I really feel like there should be an organ in here. Burn it. I really don't like how that lyric resonated with my heart. Oh, burn that preference. It's not about you. It's not for you. And when you look at movements of God, when a people of God have gotten together and they have had one unified mind that God himself is worthy. It seems that God shows up. It seems that God's pleased to dwell amongst those people. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going we're to worship to end this ser- service. And you're going to be called, I'm calling you to commit. And a lot of you have actually already committed. If you go out in the atrium and look up high on the ceiling, nobody looks at these banners. There's one that says fearless on it. It's got a lot of your signatures on it. Would you commit to living this way? I guarantee it changes this whole church. That we become a church that's known for those people do what Jesus wants them to do. They follow Jesus as if life didn't matter. These people love each other in a way that we've never seen. These people, oh my, man, they worship the living God. And I I went to their church and I met God. And so this is what we're going to do. We're just going to worship, and then we're going to come out and do some communion. Uh, But because of time's short, we're going to kind of mash those things together. So my hope is that you would spend these last few minutes sitting before God, worshiping God, repenting before God, praying with one of our prayer counselors in some manner or some form. When we take bread and we take juice, we're not just having a good meal. We are taking bread, which represents the Lord's body, broken on a cross, dipping it in juice which represents his blood poured out for us and going this is what made me able to talk to you, know you, write with you we're proclaiming our relationship that we remember the the resurrection, the crucifixion and the death and burial of Jesus, that's what we're doing And, and so I'm not hating on you I'm not trying to hold off like bread and juice from you, if you're not a Christian don't do this give your life to Jesus, come pray with one of our prayer counselors and then do this my hope is that as a people, we'll respond with God. I want to be, be all in on for what you want me to do, to be fearless. And so, Jesus, thank you for this body. Thank you that you do speak. Thank you that I love your words. And so, Lord, may they root into our hearts and make us bold, that you will hold us by the right hand, that you are with us, that we do not have to be afraid, for you're our helper. Lord, Have your way in this room where we need to deal with sin. Help us to confess it quickly, to repent and turn and wholeheartedly follow after you. I pray for those in this room, God, that feel like your presence isn't for them, that you would blow them away with your love and your goodness this morning. And as we take bread and juice, God, we herald, we declare, we celebrate your goodness. Church, I'm gonna have you stand up to worship, pray, and when you're ready, it doesn't have to be like a solemn, slow line. I mean, right in the middle of worship, get some bread in your mouth and be like, Jesus, you're good. All right? Let's worship the Lord and respond how He's leading.